Good evening. Good to see you this evening. If you want to be getting out your Bibles and turning to the book of James, James chapter 5 is where we'll be this evening. Last week we began the conclusion of the book of James. We've been working our way through this book and uh, seeing all the gold that, that James has to offer us as we study this book. We've learned a lot about ourselves. We've learned a lot about God and what God expects from us. Uh, it could be said that as we study through the book of James, he reveals to us what true faith looks like, what real faith actually looks like, uh, what it looks like for us to walk in real faith and to live out the faith that we proclaim to have. Uh, and we, we started looking at that a little bit last time and talked a little bit about that as we looked at patience. Uh, in James chapter 5, verse 7 through 12, we saw that James encourages those who have read this letter, who have been had that feeling of, of anxiety and struggle in themselves and all the sins that they've committed and all the errors that they've made, to have patience in the, in the growth process, to see the growth in themselves. And that is certainly a part of this real faith as it's developed in us that He wants us to have as we live this life. Here in this section that we're about to study tonight, we're going to see that idea continuing as he, as he wraps up the conclusion of the letter. He's telling us more about how we can acquire that real faith, how we can have that real faith. And notice how he starts off in chapter 5, verse 12. He says, But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. It's fascinating that, that James transitions in the, in the conclusion from something that's so important, that's so amazing and, and, and critical for our faith, as patience and being established in our faith into something else by saying above all. He's moving into something else and this time he says above all, I want you to do this. Do not swear. It's fascinating, isn't it? Above all, Above everything that I have said and, and instructed you to do, he says, do not swear. But instead, let your yes be yes and your no be no. James wants us to be honest people. He wants us to, above everything else, be who we say we are. If I say yes, I can't mean no. <laughs> if I say no, I can't really inside mean yes. And I can't say, well, I didn't swear, so it's not binding. I can't say, well, if I swear, then that's when you know that I really mean what I say. He makes the point that one who has real faith is real. They're honest. They're true. They speak in accordance with who they are and what they've done. 
This means for us that we must carefully consider what we say. Does this sound very different from what James has been saying throughout the letter? You remember about tongues? You remember that he said, be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. And then he talked about the tongue being a world of evil, able to cause all kinds of unrighteousness and destruction in our lives. Well, here James says, don't swear. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. And he says that, and he says, this is above everything else. Why does he do that? Notice also at the end of verse 12, he says, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Why is this so critically important for us? Why is this above all? Because if we are not who we say we are, there's condemnation to come. Basically, it comes down to this. God is not impressed with our empty promises. God is not fooled by our false words. We say, I'm a Christian, I believe, I, I, I trust in God, I'm, I'm a faithful, I, I love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and I love my neighbor as myself. But do we really? This is the point of the whole letter that James is writing to us. He's writing this to us to help us evaluate ourselves to see if we really have faith or not. We need to speak in accordance with what we actually believe to be the truth. And then we need to act in accordance with what we say. And he tells us, because God is going to condemn the liar. Wow. This is above all. This is a big statement from James. This is a big idea for us to consider as we study this book. Maybe we need to read back through it a few times and consider again the things that he says to make sure that we have this real faith that he's talking about throughout this letter. We need to make sure that we don't take lightly the things that we say and the faith that we proclaim. We need to make sure that we really believe what we say we believe and that we are really striving with all our heart to fulfill the life that we're proclaiming to have in Christ. Well, he transitions in this conclusion in verse 13 to continue the idea of being real and having a real faith. But notice what he says. He, he, he changes topic a little bit. In verse 13, he says, if any, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. And let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Notice he starts out saying, Is anyone among you suffering? Is anyone among you sick? Let him pray. Open up yourselves to God in prayer. Why would he say that? And he also says, Is anyone among you cheerful? Let him sing praise. 
Why would he tell us to pray? Why would he tell us to sing? Isn't this obvious? Isn't this something that we should all already know? That we need to pray when things are hard? That we need to sing when things are good? Well, it may seem like these are things that are obvious to us, but do we really open ourselves up to God like this? When we're suffering, do we really turn our hearts and our focus and our minds to God? And do we really pray to Him with all of our hearts? Or do we really want to just fight this battle on our own? If I'm honest, there's a desire inside of me to be independent of God. To think that I can somehow handle it myself. Maybe God's too busy uh, right now or, or I don't want to burden Him. Or maybe I just really think, I can handle this. And I think that once I handle it, then I'm going to feel proud of myself. That it's some kind of an accomplishment that I'm going to achieve by overcoming this trial, by overcoming this suffering on my own. But James says, if you're suffering... Real faith looks to God in that suffering. Real faith has a sense of humility toward God, a relying on God to be the one who helps in our time of need, showing that we can't do this on our own. The feeling of accomplishment is not worth the danger that lies in trying to do this all by ourselves. But also he says, is anyone among you cheerful? Let him sing praise. Now, let's think about this for a second. We enjoy singing and and I appreciate very much uh, coming together and, and hearing everyone sing out. But is this our attitude about things that are positive in our lives? That this is what I'm going to do when good things happen. Do I sing a song of praise to God outside of this building? Uh, Is that something that I regularly involve myself with? Uh, You know, it's funny. I wanted to lead singing the first time. And so I I grabbed a songbook and took it home and I opened it up and I started trying to learn. And my mom told me I'm I'm tone deaf. I just can't sing good. And I'm like, okay, well, that's depressing. But I'm going to try. And so I open up this songbook and I'm, I'm trying to sing the songs that I know and I'm trying to understand what those little lines are with the dots and the symbols and shapes and, and I'm singing through it. And a song hits me like it's never hit me before. And maybe that song is hitting me because it's really hard right now, but a lot of times it hits me because I'm just blown away by what God's done for me. And here James encourages us to sing to God. He's encouraging us to pour out the blessings that we're feeling, that we're overwhelmed with, by singing out in praise to Him. If we have the feeling as we're studying Scripture, as we're studying on our own, that we understand more about who God is and what He's done for us, if we feel overwhelmed with that, let's not feel afraid or ashamed to burst out in song. You don't invest, you haven't invested in a songbook yet, invest in a songbook. If you can't afford one, take one of the songbooks here home. I promise we can buy another one to replace it. And open it up and find out how spiritually enriching it is to sing songs of praise to God, even by yourself. 
Do we sing when we're cheerful? God wants to hear our song of praise when things are going good for us in this life. I love the Psalms. I don't, I don't know how much time you spend in the Psalms. I'm hoping to do more sermons in the Psalms in the future. But you start reading in the Psalms and you read about David. He's, I mean, he writes down some prayers. He writes down some songs that everyone's singing together. And, and just, it blows you away. The heart that's in David. That he would just express himself so openly to God. That he would just speak to God the things that are on his heart and on his mind. That he loves God so much to open up to him. This is what James is encouraging us to do in verse 13. And then in verse 14 he says, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let him pray. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. Well, isn't that interesting? (laughs) He tells us not just to open ourselves up to God, but now he tells us to open ourselves up to each other. In this case, he says, to the elders. If you're enduring great trial and great suffering in this life, God encourages us to turn our attention to the spiritual leaders that are among us. And to let them know about the suffering and the trials that we're going through, that they might pray alongside of us. And he says, the prayer of faith will save the sick. Wow. He also says that they will anoint you with oil. You ever wonder what that's about? <laughs> you see that in the sermon, or the parable of the... the um, Good Samaritan, right? He anoints him with oil. It's a medicinal thing. So in this case, the elders are uh, uh, giving them the medicine, so to speak. Well, I don't think I trust the elders here to give surgery on me. Uh, (laughs) But they need to be involved if something big is going on in my life. They need to pray over the, the, the surgeons that are working on whatever's wrong. They need to pray over the doctors that are trying to figure out what's wrong. And they need to know about this stuff to pray about it. So here James encourages us to share that faith. If we have a real faith, we need to be open to the elders to help them see how how real this is, how hard this is for us that we're going through, that we're struggling, that this this is really, really hard. And he says that God answers those prayers. This text actually shows us that we can call for the elders. If we're on the bed, if we're we're bedridden, unable to get up to go to them, they will come and they will pray over them and the Lord will raise them up. Those who are sick. This tells us God is, is willing to work to bring back to life those who are near to death. He is willing to save those who are sick. God cares about our suffering and our trials in this life. But also we see that He says, notice that, if He commits sin, He will be forgiven. So this is in the context of speaking to your elders. 
We speak to the spiritual leaders. We, we let them know about the sufferings that, we're going, that are going on in our life, both physically and also spiritually. And apparently, as we, as we let them know, as we open up about the struggles that we're going through, we'll be forgiven of those sins that we're committing that have plagued us for so long. God is willing to help us as those elders lift us up in prayer, but not just the elders. Notice also verse 16. He says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Not just our elders, but each other. We can speak to each other about the spiritual struggles that are going on in our lives. We can pray for each other about those struggles that are going on. And God, in His mercy, will forgive us of our sins and will help us through those struggles, through those trials that we're enduring. But are we really willing to be this open with other people? Brent said this in a sermon before, and I think I've maybe even have said it before as well. We live in a culture that does not open up. We like to keep it to ourselves. We like to be independent of other people. We don't want to be vulnerable toward anyone else because we don't trust anyone else. But James is telling us to confess our sins to one another and pray for one another. He's encouraging us to be connected enough to share our lives with each other. That's hard. I mean, that's just hard. It's ingrained in us to not do that for fear. It's much easier to hide our sins and to keep those sins secretive But are we getting any better fighting these battles on our own? Are we really getting any better? Or is the the ship sinking? (laughs) Is it just getting worse in our lives? Because we're not reaching out to anyone else. And we're afraid to. It's terrifying. God wants us to find peace in our lives. He wants us to find freedom from those sins that were that are enwrapping us and entangling us in our lives. And He tells us how we can find it if we would just do it. If we would just open up to one another and encourage one another in our struggles in this life, whether they're spiritual struggles or physical struggles, we can open up to each other and pray for each other and find help and assistance. But notice how this requires us To believe in the power of prayer. All of this does. Real faith must believe in the power of prayer. But aren't we tempted to doubt prayer? Aren't we tempted to doubt the effectiveness of praying to God? We don't know for sure whether God will answer our prayer in the affirmative. So therefore, we don't know for sure whether we ought to pray for Him. Pray to Him or not. Read again verse 16 at the end. 
He says, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. We kind of see now why we need to go to the elders for prayers. We kind of see now why we need to go to other people for prayers. The prayer of a righteous person avails much. But notice also in verse 13, he says, if you're suffering, let him pray. We also need to be people who are praying to God and opening up ourselves to God. But we might ask ourselves as we look at ourselves and we see all of our faults and all of the the issues that are going on in our lives. Am I righteous enough to pray to God and actually be heard? Does God care anything about what I have to say to him after all that I've done? We might even fool ourselves into thinking that God really only hears the really, really spiritual. <laughs> like, like Moses and David and the prophets and people like that. That's the kind of people that God listens to. Somebody who's like us, God doesn't really listen. We all have our problems. And notice what he says as you keep reading. Verse 17, he says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Wait a second. (laughs) What did you just say, James? Elijah was a man with a nature like ours? You go back into to 1 Kings chapter 17 and Ahab is made king in chapter 16. It says he's the worst of the kings that had ever lived in the northern tribes of Israel. And all of a sudden, here is this prophet Elijah who comes up and says, it's not going to rain on the earth until I say so. There's going to be no rain. There's going to be no dew. Nothing until I say so. And God makes it happen. God doesn't let there be any rain on the earth until Elijah says so. And it's three and a half years later that Elijah actually prays to God and it comes, that God actually brings the rain. And we look at Elijah and we think, he's a prophet of God. And not, as, not only is he a prophet, he's not just a prophet. He's a miracle working prophet. You don't have very many miracle working prophets in the Bible. You've got Moses. You've got Elijah, and you've got Elisha, who followed after Elijah. And then you've got Jesus. And other than that, we don't see a lot of miracle-working prophets. Then in the New Testament, we've got a lot of, of men and women who are apparently given spiritual gifts along those lines. But you don't see a whole lot of miraculous workings. So you've got to think, Elijah's something else. Elijah's amazing. And he is. And then we get to the New Testament and we see the transfiguration. And there's Moses, but there's Elijah. Wow. Elijah's something else. Well, did did Elijah have struggles in his life? Did Elijah suffer? Yeah, that's revealed to us. (laughs) Elijah was a man with a nature much like ours. In that he struggled with with physical ailments, physical trials. He struggled with spiritual trials in his life. But he believed in God. 
And God heard his prayer. And God delivered him from his struggles. What we see throughout Scripture is that real faith is counted as righteousness. This is what Paul tells us in Romans chapter 4. Faith, God is willing to count that as righteousness. So in, in spite of all of our problems and all of our issues... We can know that we can turn to God who sees all that, who already knew that all that was, was in us and still desired to redeem us. We can turn to Him and offer a prayer to Him and He hears us. Real faith does that. Real faith not only offers up prayer to God, but opens itself up to the spiritual leaders and to each other and asking for them to pray because we believe in the power of prayer. Real faith prays. And then he transitions to the final topic of his book. Let's read this together. Verse 19. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sin. In this text, James transitions into a final topic that's very fascinating. As we read this, we see that James is encouraging us, he's instructing us that we need to be the kind of people who are considering those around us. As people come to us asking for prayers, we need to be loving enough to pray for those people. And as we see those who are struggling with their faith and are weak in their faith, we need to be the kind of people that are concerned for their souls. It's fitting, isn't it, that James ends this letter with an encouragement to go out and get the brother who is wandering from the truth. To, to go and bring them back. To have the real faith that they need to have. This whole letter has been spent, I think, in an effort to bring us back to a real faith. <laughs> it's as though James wrote this letter for us to see real faith is what it says it is. Real faith does what the Bible says it does. Real faith lives out a love for God and a love for their neighbor. And he convinces us that we need to be people who have a real faith. He brings us back from where we've wandered. And he sets for us an example to follow. We might think, well, what could we say to someone who's wandered away? Well, James tells us we need to tell them to have a real faith. That's what we need to show them and, and tell them. Your faith is wandering because it's not really established. You're not being patient in your trials. You're not opening up to God in prayer like you ought to or trusting in Him like you ought to. You're not changing your life to be more like Him. And you're not focused on helping anybody else. And that's what real faith does. It loves God more than anything else, and it loves your neighbor more than anyone else. Do we see this going on around us? James says that if we'll do this, we can save a soul from death. 
So we need to be aware of this. How many people do we know of who have come in these doors in the past few months, stuck around for a little while, and then walked away? How many people do we know who have been here for quite a few years and they disappeared and we don't see them anymore? Do we care? Do we think about them? Are we willing to reach out to help them? The question is, do we love them enough to do something about it? We need to be worried about the souls of others. It may be that we feel like we're too busy or that we're afraid to say something. But there's a soul hanging in the balance here. This is too important to just not do anything or not say anything or or go about our business as though everything is normal. There's a soul in the balance here. This is an important work for us to all be involved in. I've been at plenty of churches who have let members disappear and it seems as though no one has paid any attention. No one even asks, where is so-and-so? No one even cares. We can't be this way. Jesus tells us that we must love as He has loved us. Remember that? I said that last week. I'm going to say it again, I'm sure, in the future. In John chapter 13, 34-35, He says, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. That's a hard commandment. To love someone as much as Jesus has loved me. Jesus saw me wandering and He left heaven to get me. He left all the comforts. He left all the conveniences. He left all the glory to find us when we're lost. And He wants us to do the same. And He even tells us in verse 35, By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. We talked about evangelism a couple weeks ago. This is the most evangelistic thing we can do. We can show a genuine love for other people that is like the love that Jesus has shown for you and me. That's a lot of work. It's a lot of effort. It's making us vulnerable. As we open up our lives to get connected with people that we don't know, that we may not necessarily feel we can trust yet. But this is what real faith does. Real faith is is honest. It's open. And it's focused on the needs of those around us. It believes in the power of prayer And it puts God at the very center of our lives. We patiently endure all the trials of this life. And as James said at the beginning of this book, we count those trials to be joy because we know that we're growing more and more steadfast and faithful as time goes on. This has been a a wonderful book for me to study. I hope it's been good for you as well. Uh, I hope you found... Courage to overcome the sins that have plagued you. 
Uh, and if you haven't, I hope that you'll open up to us and help us to understand how we can pray for you more. How we can help you to overcome those things. Know that the elders and, and myself are willing to help in any way we can. And that there are members here who are probably struggling and suffering with the same things. And we're here to support each other. We just need to love each other like we should. If anybody here has not obeyed the gospel and and not submitted your life to Christ, you've not found the, the peace that He offers, the forgiveness of sins that He offers you in your life, you can find that. It's up to you. It's it's your decision. You can choose to have a real faith that follows after God and submits to His will and overcomes the sins in your life. Or you continue to live life aimlessly, not knowing what will happen at the end for you, that it's condemnation. If you're here tonight and you've had a faith that's not real, a faith that has said, I believe in God and I love God with all my heart and all my soul and all my mind and all my strength, But inside you know that you really haven't. That you've really been more self-focused. That you've really just been saying that. I want to encourage you to make a change. Put your trust and faith in God. Overcome those problems that are going on by asking for the prayers of others and praying to God yourself before it's too late. If anybody has a need at this time, please come forward as we stand and sing.